Welcome to another episode of Men's Bible Study. Dr. Justin Hillhouse joins us today as we start a brand new series, Jesus is Coming. For the next few weeks, we'll be reading in the book of John as we take a little bit of a different look at the Christmas story. Now, let's hear from Dr. Hillhouse. All right, guys, if you have your copy of God's Word, open it up, turn it on. We are in John chapter 1. We're going to be in John chapter 1 as uh, we begin a new series. And I'm excited about this series. It's simply called Jesus is coming. So this new series is Jesus is coming. And if you haven't noticed, it is the Christmas season, is it not? All right. How many of y'all are excited? Like this is your favorite time of year. Yeah. Okay. How many of you, you like dread this time of the year and it's your pocketbook really that dreads it more than anything else. All right. That's, that's, that's kind of me, but really and truly, this is my favorite time of year. But um, because it is my favorite time of, of the year, we always hear the Christmas story at this time. And really, over these next couple weeks, I want to take a different look at the Christmas story. And today we want to talk about the announcement of Jesus coming to this earth. And I want to take a little bit uh, of a different look at this. And when we think about an announcement, how many of you today were paying attention to the announcements? Okay, like three of you were paying attention to the announcements, all right? How many of you during church service, you pay attention to the announcements? All right, some of, okay, a majority of you do, all right, very good. I don't know about you, but for me, when the announcements come on, I kind of turn off my brain, you know? We'll be in staff meeting, and they can attest to this. They'll be announcing something, and I'll be like, what are we talking about? Because my mind is, it's off, you know, in la-la land, doing whatever my brain does. But for most of us, I would assume in here, we sometimes listen to the announcements. We sometimes don't. If, uh, if you are ever on a plane, how many of you pay attention to the plane announcements? Yeah, okay, like one or two of you do. They go through the same thing. Sometimes the, uh, the, the are they still called stewards? What are they called? Flight attendants, flight attendants yes. Flight attendants. Uh, sometimes the flight attendants, they try to uh, keep you entertained as they make their announcements. The Southwest flight uh, a flight attendant said this when they were making their announcements. And I quote, to operate your seatbelt, insert the metal tab into the buckle and pull tight. It works just like every other seatbelt. And if you don't know how to operate one, you probably shouldn't be out in public uncir- uh, unsupervised. In the event of a sudden loss of cabin pressure, oxygen mask will descend from the ceiling. Stop screaming, grab the mask, and pull it over your face. If you have a small child traveling with you, secure the mask before assisting uh, with theirs. If you are traveling with two small children, decide now which one you love more. And so we're always trying to make these announcements just a little bit more interesting, which I want to thank Sloan's for making the announcements somewhat interesting today, right? Y'all give him a hand. Now, during medieval times, you had this dude named a herald. And at first, the herald was tasked with the job of traveling between two opposing armies, okay? And he was basically the messenger, okay? That's what he did. So a king he would say, hey, listen, I want you to go over there to the other camp, and I want you to tell those dudes 
that uh, they, they just need to surrender. There's no need for them to fight. We're, we're going to stomp them into the ground. And so the job of the herald was to travel over there to tell that king that. And then the king would then respond and send the herald back to the other king. So that's originally what a herald did is they were kind of the go-between between two kings that were fighting. Well, as that has kind of developed um, and you get more and more into the Middle Ages and you start having all these different kings everywhere and stuff like that, the job of the herald was then to go out and to make an announcement on behalf of the king and to let the people know, hey, this is what's going on inside the kingdom. So if there's a baby that's born, then guess what? The king would say, hey, Harold, go out there and announce, listen, I've had a baby boy and everyone will celebrate. And so the Herald goes on out there. Or the king might say, hey, listen, we're getting ready to go to war. We need to recruit a whole bunch of dudes to join the army. So it was the job of the Herald to go out into the kingdom and to make announcements to everyone and to let them know what is going on. A few weeks ago, I got a letter in the mail that said, hey, listen, there is a uh, there's a couple that has been dating. And guess what? Now they're engaged and now they want to be married. And so guess what? This announcement I get tells me when they're going to get married. It tells me where they're going to get married. But I don't really care about that. All I care about is the reception afterwards. When are we going to get to the food? Amen. Y'all can get married anywhere. I just want to know where's the food going to be, okay? And what time do I need to show up for that? But it is a great time. And guess what? Not only do they make this announcement, they send me this letter, but they tell me I can invite somebody with me, all right? We're in the Christmas season. How many of y'all have gotten an Evite to a party already? Yeah? A lot of you? Hey, listen, you get, we get tons of Evites. And the whole point of the invitation, the whole point of the announcement is to give you important information. Okay, that's what it does. When I get a wedding announcement, it tells me who's getting married. It tells me where they're getting married. It tells me what time they're getting married. It tells me what time the reception is. And then it'll say, do you want beef or chicken? Okay, and then I know all that information. I take that card and I put it back. We give announcements all the time. And the point of the announcement is to be informative and to point people in a specific direction. That is the point of an announcement. The point of announcement is to tell somebody, here's where you go. Here's what you need to do in order to make this happen. We have speakers all the time or musicians or you go to a concert and all of a sudden you'll see the lights go up and down and then somebody will say and welcome to the stage and then they'll make the announcement and everybody goes oh, well now you know that the party is getting ready to stop to start so when jesus comes to earth there are two announcements made there are two announcements made the first announcement is that of his birth and you find that in luke chapter 2 verses 8 through 14, and it says this, there were shepherds living out in their fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David has been born to you, he is the Christ the Lord, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly there was a great company of heavenly hosts that appeared with the angel 
praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. So here we have an announcement of Jesus being born, proclaimed by the angel, and then praised by angels from heaven that a king, the Messiah, is born. And they give the shepherds some important information. They say, hey, listen, it happened tonight, okay? This is where he is. He's in the town, the city of David. He's in Bethlehem. And this is where you can find him. He is the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now we celebrate the birth of Jesus, especially this time of the year. But there is a question that remains. What is Jesus going to do? That's great that Jesus is born, but the question is, what is he going to do? Uh, over there in England, you know, you have... Um, Prince William and, and Kate Middleton, and, and they have a couple kids. They actually have three kids. Their, their youngest is, is Charlotte. Um, and then they have a middle kid, which nobody knows the middle kid's name. And then you have the oldest kid, which is George, right? And when George was born, everybody was like, oh, yay, George. George is born. We have the next king to the throne. And that's great that, that this kid was born. But the question is, what is this kid going to do? What is this kid going to be like? You see, it's great that we know that Jesus was born. But the question is, what is he going to be like? What is he going to do when he grows up? And for 30 years after Jesus is born, it is quiet. We don't know much about what Jesus did. We knew that he grew up. We knew that his father taught him how to be a carpenter. Um, but from that angelic announcement, there's not much we know about Jesus in his day-to-day -day life growing up in the city of Nazareth. And then there's this dude named John the Baptist. And he comes along. And without much grand grandeur, without much fanfare, he begins to make an announcement. And he starts telling people, hey, listen, the Messiah is here. The Messiah is coming. You see, there was an announcement 30 years ago by the angels the Messiah, the Christ is here. And now 30 years later, there is yet another announcement. And we see this announcement in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. And this is the second announcement of Jesus coming. See, when we think of the announcement of Jesus, we only think of the first one. We only think of the angels, okay, and the shepherds. But you see, there's a second announcement. And look at what it says in John chapter 1. It says this. Now this is John's testimony when the Jews of Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Christ. So understand this. John, he's walking around the desert. He's baptizing people. He's calling people to repent. And so... The Jews, uh, the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, those that were part of the temple, they sent a coalition out to John the Baptist. And they want to know, hey, who are you and what in the world are you doing? Are you the Christ? Are you the guy we have been looking for? And John the Baptist looks at him and he goes, no, I am not 
the Christ. And then in verse 21, it says this. Then they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Then verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of the one calling in the desert. Make straight the way of the Lord. Now some of the Pharisees uh, who had sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Christ or Elijah or the prophet? Verse 26, I baptize with water, John replied. But among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me. The thongs uh, of those sandals I am not worthy to untie. We see that John the Baptist is engaged in a conversation with these religious leaders, with these messengers about who he was and what he was doing. And no doubt a man running around the desert wearing camel skins and eating locusts, preaching repentance and baptizing people can raise just a few questions like, who is this dude? Who is this guy? And yet, they come to him, they ask, who are you? And he tells them, I'm not the guy you're looking for. If you look there in verse 22, they ask the question, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. And if you look at John's response, here is his message. Here is his herald. Here is his announcement. A voice of the one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Basically, he quotes Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. The role of John the Baptist, what was the role of John the Baptist? The role of John the Baptist was to tell people the time and the location of the Messiah. His job was to announce that Jesus was here, that Jesus was among them. It was his job to herald that and to give them the information that they needed. The job of John the Baptist was to point, here's where you need to go here is what you need to do. If you look in Mark chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, it says this. This is written in the, in the Isaiah the prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare the way. Meaning John the Baptist, he is there to announce, to let people know that, listen, Jesus is here. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John the Baptist was here to call people back to God. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those that were crooked there in the temple, he was there to make the path straight. He was there to announce that God is coming to us. We must prepare to meet Him. Thought about that? John the Baptist was saying, hey, listen, everybody, get ready to meet God. If someone said, hey, listen, Jesus is going to be at your house in about 30 minutes, what are you going to do? Right? 
Jesus is going to be at your house in 30 And think about it. That's what John is saying. That's what John the Baptist is communicating. Jesus is coming. Get ready. Now, when John makes this announcement, he goes back to Isaiah and he says this. He says, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Or as John says, make straight the way of the Lord. Now, this type of talk, this type of language is kind of foreign to us. Make straight the way of the Lord. And there's a reason why Isaiah, who was alive during the time when Rome was just being founded and Rome was just beginning to be built and growing up and expanding, would prophesy that John the Baptist would repeat these words hundreds of years later. Because people, when they hear the term, especially back then, make straight the way of the Lord, people understand what it means to make a path straight. Because you see, as the Roman Empire grew, one of the things everybody figures out really early on in life is that the shortest distance between two things, between two points, is what? A straight line, right? The shortest distance between two things is a straight line. I I tell you what, um, have y'all ever driven to Houston? Anybody in here? There's no reason to go to Houston unless you have to go to Houston. Y'all with me on that? All right. I'm sorry. (laughs) But... But let me tell you what, whoever constructed 45, they were really thinking. I'll tell you who else was really thinking, and that was Bucky's. Because I didn't know this, but I was cruising just on the outside of Dallas. And you get on the outside of Dallas there on 45, and in Ennis, there is a Bucky's there. I didn't know a Bucky's existed in Ennis, all right? That tells you how long it's been since since I've gone to Houston. And here's what's great is you stop there in the Bucky's, and you get like the large 24 ounce cup of coffee okay y'all with me on that and then okay or the big 44 ounce drink okay and i did this on friday i I had to go to houston not that i wanted to but i had to and i got in there and i got that large cup of coffee and then i got in the car and basically it's the auto bond on 45 have y'all driven that thing that thing is crazy all right you can set the cruise control at 90 miles an hour and people are right past you. And here's why. It is a straight, flat road from Ennis all the way to Madisonville. And here's why Bucky's is so smart. It's because it's about roughly, it's almost 100 miles from Ennis to Madisonville. You've driven a long, straight road and you drink that 24 ounces of coffee or that 44 ounce Coke. Y'all with me on that? And so Bucky's has strategically placed that Bucky's there in Madisonville, so you can stop, right? Use the restroom, empty one tank, fill up the other tank, get another large drink, and then kick it all the way into Houston, okay? Y'all with me on that? That road is straight, okay? There's not a whole lot of bends in it. Honestly, I think I counted, there are like two curves between Ennis and Madisonville, all right? There's about two of them, and they're long, long curves, But the road is primarily straight. As the Roman kingdom, as the Roman empire began to grow, 
they figured out that as they were getting bigger, they needed to be able to communicate and to travel as quickly as possible. So if you go back and you look on a map, what the Romans did is they were really good at building Roads. As a matter of fact, you can go all over Europe and you will still find sections of road that the Romans built. And so what the Romans did was they came up with this ingenious plan. They said, we need to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible. And so what we are going to do is we are going to literally build a road straight there. So out of Rome, all these roads began to be built and they were as straight as they could possibly make them. As a matter of fact, they were so straight that they would go up and over mountains, up and over hills. There was none of this winding and twisting all the way up. There were no switchbacks. They would go straight up over hill and straight down. And here is why. is because when there was an emergency, when the army needed to be deployed, it was much much quicker for men on foot to go up and over a hill than it would be to climb this hill, climb this mountain, and go through all these switchbacks. By the time they got to the top, they could rest, recover, and then go back down. When they hauled all of their gear, they did it not with draft animals, not with like big oxen or anything. They used donkeys because donkeys could climb that hill real easy. And the whole purpose of this straight road was not only to get from point A to point B, but also only Roman officials and the army could use the road. So if you're just a commoner like us and you wanted to go from point A to point B, guess what? You could follow that Roman road, but you cannot be on the Roman road. You either had to be part of the army, you had to be a government official, or you had to get a pass to get on that road. Otherwise you were relegated to walking beside the road because it was only those people that could use the Roman road. And so you knew if you saw somebody on the Roman road, that guess what? They were important and what they were doing had to be done fast. So when you look at this, and John says, make straight the way of the Lord, the people understand something just by simply learning and seeing what the Romans have built when it comes to roads. First of all, they see that there is speed. Whatever is coming is coming quickly. So therefore, I need to be prepared. And also, whatever is coming is of great importance. It is official. You see, when the angels announced Jesus' birth 30 years ago, people said, oh, this, this is the Christ. The Messiah is here. But now John makes the announcement. He says, hey, listen, the Messiah is among us, and he has something important to say. There are many reasons in Scripture and many references in Scripture to making our path straight. Psalm 5, 8. Lead me, O Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. Why in the world would we pray that? Hey, listen, if I have enemies pursuing me, man, if I get on the road and it's straight, guess what? I can get away fast. I like that. Psalm 27, 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Lead me in a straight path because of my 
oppressors. I love that. Lead me in a straight path. Man, teach me, Lord. Lead me in a straight path. In other words, make it easy. That's what I love about straight path. You know, we hate driving through Kansas, right? Has anybody driven through Kansas? It is just a straight road right there. But it's so easy, isn't it? And you can get through Kansas really fast. Why? Because the path is straight. I don't have to worry about turns. I can just get on it and get there. Proverbs 3, 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings and all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And what does it say? And He will make your paths straight. Understand this. If you want to get from point A to point B as quickly as possible, what does it say? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And He will make your path straight. As you trust God, He will begin to take all those curves out of the road and get you to the destination quicker. How many times have we said in our testimony, you know, I tried it my way and it just didn't work and it took way too long. Y'all with me on that? Then all of a sudden I turn it over to God and then things start to happen. Why? Because God makes our path straight. He gets us from point A to point B as quickly as possible. Understand this about a straight path. A straight path will get you to your destination quicker. A straight path has less obstacles in our way. The path or the road that I am on has meaning and value to it. And then understand this is when I'm on a straight path, I cannot get lost. Y'all with me on that? When I'm on a straight path, I cannot get lost. I can see further down the road. And the only way I get off that road is if I purposefully veer off of it. You don't have to question where's the road going because I can see it. I can see where it's leading me. I can not only see just 30 feet, 100 feet, 100 yards ahead of me. I can see miles ahead of me. Why? Because the path has been made straight. When was the last time you prayed, Lord, make my path straight. Lord, make it straight. That's probably something we don't use in our language a whole lot. And what does John say? Man, make straight the path of the Lord. Prepare because Jesus is coming. He's coming quickly and He's coming with official business. When God comes towards us, we must prepare ourselves. And John makes that announcement. Prepare yourself because He is here. Not only does this time, does John the Baptist warn us that Jesus is coming. But I don't know about you, but I've heard it a lot today. With that war going on over in Israel and everything going on, people are starting to talk about end times. And let's just kind of say, guys, Jesus is coming again. Isn't He? He's come once. The angels announced it. John the Baptist reiterated it. Jesus has left. And guess what, guys? Jesus is coming back again. Make straight the path. Make straight the path. Because guess what? He's coming again. And so, guys, are you prepared? Are those around you Are they prepared? Have you helped them make straight? Because guys, guess what? Jesus is coming. And if not, today is the day of salvation. You know what I love 
about the Roman road. If you're in EE or anything like that, there's this thing called the Roman road. And basically it's four verses out of Romans. And here's what's so great about the Roman road is when you're telling somebody about Jesus and you use those four verses, man, it is quick, it is easy, it is succinct, and it is just a straight line to salvation. Telling us that we're sinners, telling us that there is a free gift, telling us what Jesus did, and then telling us how to accept Jesus in our hearts and in our lives and follow him. It's it's, it's very simple. And so, man, I just want to encourage you, if you have not prepared a way for Jesus, if you have not made the path straight in your heart and in your life, I want to encourage you today, start making that path straight. You might need some help. Hey, I'd, I'd encourage you to turn to God and say, God, start making my path straight, whatever it is you're dealing with. Man, God, make my path straight. God, we love you. We thank you for this day. Thank you that we could come here. We could open up your word, God, and just have a good time. Father, I pray for each man here that, God, we would just make our paths straight. That, Father, we would prepare for you. God, not that we would prepare to see uh, just a a, a baby being born, Father, but, uh, Father, that we would prepare our hearts and our lives for the impact that you would have uh, on us for what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Father, if there is a man here who does not know you, Lord Jesus, as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I ask that you would draw them to you, that you would meet them right where they're at. God, I also ask that for any man here that's struggling through anything, God, that you would make their path straight. That, Father, that that you would get them through it as quickly as possible. That, Father, you would... um, Uh, that you would draw them to you and that they would follow your principles, God, that they would follow your, um, your direction and not the direction of man. Father, may we prepare our hearts for you coming soon. Um, God, we know that you, you're going to send your son. He's going to return. And father, I pray that we would go ahead and make those preparations for that return. God, I pray we would go out to those uh, other family members, co-workers, guys on the ball field. We begin to share your good news and that we would tell folks, hey, listen, Jesus is coming back. Man, what are you going to do with him? God, um, thank you for this day. Thank you for this time. And bless our hands. And may they be productive wherever it is we go and whatever it is we do. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And all God's men said, y'all have a great day. Thanks a lot. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. For more information regarding Cottonwood Creek, go to cottonwoodcreek.org. And we hope you tune in next time for more episodes of Men's Bible Study.